Okay. Well, today I am going to, well, first of all, my name is Joe. I'm a local uh, history and language arts teacher in the area. I teach sixth grade in Bennington, so that's over the mountain that way. Um, I love it. It's really fun. And um, I also occasionally preach here um, because Brian is a full-time pastor here. Um, Brian's right there, and he is also a full-time teacher. So it is a challenge uh, week to week to, to prepare a sermon, and so it's good to give our teachers breaks, um, and so that's what I'm doing. And hopefully, hopefully you really enjoy uh, this style of preaching. There's going to be some new stuff going on, so be ready for that. Uh, Joan says she likes a wild church, so here we go. Uh, I met her this morning. Um, so so the, the title is Valley Town Church, and here's why. The title is Valley Town Church because as I was reading this passage, I kept thinking of you all and what we're doing. And so I see a lot of commonality in the church in Acts and what we're already, <coughs> excuse me, doing. And so I, <coughs> I want you to think about that as we're reading, um, that we have a lot of things positive going on. So hopefully today it affirms a few things and it encourages you to go further. And I have three points to do that, Okay. Point number one is, is it working? Great. Point number one is disciples make disciples. Two, men and women serve God equally. And three, we need each other. Okay? Give me a thumbs up if you agree. Two thumbs up if you agree with all of those things. Two. Okay. So that means you can participate in my madness today. So I uh, was getting some training and teaching. Along with all the sixth grade teachers, we had a a gentleman from the Collins Writing Program and how to teach writing across the grade levels. How to teach writing when you're in math, when you're in history, when you're in science, and then of course when you're in language arts, which is what I do. Um, How do you do it? What are some good effective ways to teach? And one of the things he said was he went to brain-based science. Okay, they've looked at how the brain works and how do we get things to stick in there? I'm always wondering that when I'm teaching my kids. How do I make things stick? How do I make it so they come in on Monday and they know what we did on Friday? Right? How do we do that? Brain-based science says you are 33% more likely to remember something if you have a picture or an action associated with that thing. Got it? A picture or an action. So we're going to be doing an action on my three main points. We've got to practice. So if you're sitting alone, you've got, you got to sit with a group. So if you're sitting alone, you've got to find somebody. Tyler, find somebody. Or somebody find Tyler. <laughs> there we go. Okay, awesome. <laughs> we are a community. We are a community. Uh, we, we greet each other. We hang out together. We get to know each other. And that, that includes this morning. Okay, so disciples make disciples. Whenever I make that point, we're going to do something with our hands. Okay, so that we remember it. All right, I want you to think back to last week's sermon. Do you remember it? Do you remember the sermon that I preached the last time I was here? I had a really hard time remembering it. I was like, wait a minute, what did I preach like a month ago or two? This is hopefully going to make you never forget it. All right, so it's pretty easy. When I, when, we, when I make a point, disciples make disciples, you make a cross like this, disciples make disciples. All right, so when I say, when, and we say it, so say it, disciples make disciples. Okay, great. This one's going to be fun. When I make a point that women and men serve God equally, we're going to say, women and men serve God equally. Got it? Women and men serve God equally. Got it? 
Women and men serve God equally. Okay, this one is why you need to sit next to somebody, okay? Um, when, I, when there's a point where I make where we meet, when we need each other, I need you to turn to the person next to you and give them a fist bump. Or if you're really cool, fist bump an explosion or a handshake or something. I don't know, a pat on the back, okay? So when I make the point we need each other, you're going to say, we need each other, and fist bump, handshake, whatever you want. All right, you ready? John needs somebody. Uh, that's it. All right. All right. That sounds good. So we good? Um, okay. So I'm going to dive into the sermon, um, and we're going to remember those three points forever, probably. And hopefully, when, when you remember the point, you remember why we actually said it in the, in the text and all of that. So let's dive into Acts 18. It's the next chapter after uh, Brian's sermon that he ended with last week, in which Paul preached a really awesome sermon, made some great points um, and made some connections to the culture that helped people understand um, the gospel in their own terms, who God was in their own terms. You might remember that they, they were worshiping a God um, that they didn't know. They wrote, to the unknown God. And Paul bridged the culture by saying, that unknown God is actually Jesus. And let me tell you about him. Okay, that was last week's sermon. We're picking up in Acts in the story of Paul. Acts 18, verse 1 to 3. Okay, you ready? All right. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Okay, so what do we know from that? I'm just going to paraphrase it really quickly, um, summarize it really quickly. Priscilla and Aquila were persecuted for being Jewish. Okay, they had, to, they had to flee their nation. They came to Corinth. Paul was there. All right, Paul, his occupation is tent maker. That's his thing. He makes tents. That's how he makes his living. And Priscilla and Aquila are both tent makers. Okay. They're both good at tent making, and Paul is Jewish. He grew up Jewish. Okay, so Priscilla and Aquila, yeah, they're Jewish. Um, so they have that in common. And because they have these two things in common, Paul spends his day working with them all day, and then he actually lives with them. So we're going to find that he makes this really, really close friendship with Priscilla and Aquila. Okay? And it's, you're going you're to hear it throughout, this really close friendship. All right? Um, and a little side, little side quest, a little side note is we have a model for a working pastor. Do we have a working pastor in our church? No. Somebody who's a tent maker? No. Someone who's a math teacher and who also teaches. So you, you can understand why I'm thinking, oh yeah, we have that at Valleytown. That's right. We have somebody who supports their family through full-time job and they're a pastor. Okay, so we have the same thing. Verse 5. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. Okay, we're going to have our first hand motion. Just get ready. Um, so you can describe Paul as a disciple. And what does a disciple do? He is teaching people the word of God. He's occupying, testifying about Jesus. So he's making disciples. So ready? Disciples make disciples. Okay. 
this is actually described as his full-time job, right? It's his occupation. He's completely occupied with the word of God. He's trying to create more disciples or followers of Jesus. And his story goes on. So uh, I'm going to skip this part. There are, there are some verses where it shows Paul going out and making disciples. And Paul going out and getting in trouble for doing that. Because he's challenging the people that were in power. And they didn't want to lose their control. Um, and so they tried to get him in big trouble. Okay? Uh, but he got out of trouble. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. All right, so in verse 11 it says, and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And then in verse 18, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and he took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. This is what I want you to notice in this section, okay? He stayed a year and six months. That's a really long time for one of the most phenomenal teachers in all of Scripture to stay in one place. And knowing that, who is he living with? He's living with Priscilla and Aquila. So they are benefiting from his teaching. They are being discipled by Paul. And he is going to take them along, these tent makers, um, along with him on his missionary journey. So they're in this together. They have a friendship. He says, come along, let's go. Also, I don't know if you noticed it, but whose name was mentioned first in this section? Is it still up there? No. But whose name was mentioned first? Priscilla. Yes. That's, that's a girl's name. Well, th- in this case, Priscilla. Aquila is the husband. Okay? And in, his, in, histor- in the historical context, that would have been a big deal. Okay? You don't mention the, uh, the woman first or at all. And in some, in some characters in the Bible, you don't even know if they're married or not. It doesn't even say. So in here, Priscilla's name is mentioned first, okay? So I want you to get into the next hand motion. Ready? Men and women are equal, okay, in ministry. It's true. And in this case, they're both mentioned because they are equally serving in ministry on that mission field, Okay? There's no sense in this passage that, that Priscilla just got taken along for the ride. That, oh yeah, so, so Paul and his buddy Aquila went on a missions trip. And, oh, by the way, uh, Priscilla came along and she just cooked the meals. Anyway, <laughs> you don't get that sense at all. In fact, she is mentioned first in this instance. Okay? There's no, and, and, and also, think about if you're traveling with Paul, like in an airport. I want, I want everybody to have Paul be your traveling buddy in an airport. Have you all been to an airport? Raise your hand if you've been to an airport. Okay, you got Paul along with you. What do you know about Paul? He's fearless. He's bold. Actually, God came and told him that he was to preach the gospel. Okay, big loud voice. He was blind for a number of days because of it. Paul has got every reason to go all out for the faith. And in fact, God said to him, I will show you, Paul, how much you have to suffer on behalf of the name of Jesus. So Paul was called to a life of suffering. And you've got somebody with you that's like, all right, I'm going to suffer for Jesus wherever I go, okay? And that includes the airport. So what kind of a trip is that going to be? I'm picturing him um, identifying people in, the, in waiting. Okay, this person is part of this religion. 
I wonder why. I'm going to talk to them. Hey, why do you believe this? Why are you Muslim? You know, why are you Jewish? Why do you, why do you believe this way? And then he's not going to leave it there because he cares about them. Okay? He has the truth. He has the answer to eternal life. And so is he going to say, oh, that's great. You know what? That's true for you. So that's not really necessarily my truth. But you know what? That's true for you. That's great. Is that what he's going to say? No, he's not. He's going to say, actually, let me show you a better way. Okay? And say that there's a traveling group and their teacher is there. Okay? Maybe their rabbi, their teacher is there. Is he going to be afraid of calling their teacher out in front of all the students? He's not. He's going to be that kid in that class that says, you're wrong, Mr. Carter. That's not when the Revolutionary War was. Right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, goodness. Yeah. So he's, he's going to speak up because teachers are impacting students. And so he's going to go right to that teacher and correct in front of everybody. It happens. It happened. Um, okay, so that's the kind of guy they're traveling with all over the place. Somebody who's not afraid. And so they're getting some pretty intense training. And keep that in mind. All right, so where am I? I'm in verse 18. Okay, and I'm not sure how to say this. Uh, at Centria. He had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And in, in the previous story, if I actually had read his story, I could explain it, but we're going to leave that one, okay? Uh, you don't have to cut your hair today. And they came to Ephesus, and he, and he left them there, and he left them there. Okay, remember that. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him, please stay longer, he declined But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Okay, so the point I want you to get is God calls friends together, but also he calls friends apart. Sometimes he will call friends to leave their community on on behalf of spreading the good news. How did our church get started? That's what I thought of. That's why our title is Valley Town Church. Our church gets started because people... Two different families from Georgia, all the way down there, down yonder yonder hillside, down there, uh, they knew that Vermont is either the first or the second least church state in the nation. We go back and forth with Vermont and New Hampshire. Either they're worse than us or then we're worse than them, you know, the upside down state. Um, So we go back and forth. So they knew that. And they heard a call from God to come up and preach the good news into this area. Did they leave friends and family behind? Yes, they did. They had to leave the comforts of good old southern cooking. And they had to march up here to the cold in the winter that they're not used to. They had to probably buy jackets maybe for the first time. And skiing and injuries and all sorts of things that come along with that. So they are just... So our story is similar. We had two families leave and come and plant our church, okay? And of course, they follow this model, disciples make disciples, because we have a new pastor who was discipled by them, raised up and put in place so he could teach, and they can go on and make more disciples, okay? What's the sign for that? Disciples make disciples. Thank you. Disciples make disciples. Okay. All right. Verse 22, when he landed at Caesarea, he went up 
and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So I want you to think about this. Strengthening and greeting. Why do, you, why do we do that? It's because we need each other, okay? So fist bump or whatever you like, we need each other. Yeah, explosion. <laughs> we need each other. Everybody get one in? Anybody miss anybody? Anybody not get one in? It's pretty fun. Okay, so we do need each other. Even the church in the time period that Paul was around needed encouragement and strengthening. And we're going to find in a little bit that Paul needed something too. So, all right, that's coming up. So, being on mission for Paul, being a disciple, involved strengthening followers of Jesus. And I want you to look inward now on yourself. Is that part of your mission? Is your mission strengthening the person next to you? Is your mission receiving strength from the person next to you? If it isn't, something needs to change. You need to get that person's phone number in your contact list. You need to friend them on Facebook, whatever it takes. Carve their name in a tree in your backyard, whatever. Okay? We need each other. So we're not islands. Okay? Nobody in Scripture was an island. And there's a stern warning for those that are. Okay, ready for the stern warning? Hebrews 3.13. You guys ready in the back there? Hebrews 3.13. It's awesome that they're there. We have a command. There's no option in this one. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Okay? How often do we encourage one another? Bailey. Every day. Every day. Yep. Okay. Uh, every day we encourage each other. Why do we encourage each other? What happens when we don't encourage one another? Our hearts become hard. They don't get softer. They get harder alone. And we get tricked. We get deceived. We don't all, none of us has everything figured out, myself included. We all need somebody to point out like my wife did this morning, there's wrinkles on my shirt and it's bending up, so you better, you better iron that out. I needed that this morning. We all need somebody to point out stuff that we're blind to. All right. Um, so one more time, fist bump, whatever it takes, say it. We need each other. We need each other. We're going to leave Paul behind. Goodness, he, he's been taking over the book of Acts and all the preaching. We're going to leave him behind. Get out the door. We're going to see the, his, the fruits of his friendship and his discipleship to Priscilla and Aquila. It's going to be really cool. Verse 24. Nice. Nice job, guys. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Okay. I want you to picture somebody up, up front here preaching, and they're really good at it. They, they're really eloquent, so not me, all right? No. Uh, they're, they're good at preaching, all right? And they, and they preach the Word of God, and they're an expert at it. 
would you be able to call that person out if they were straying off somewhere or if there was something missing in their theology? Could you do it? That's what we're working towards. That's why we need each other to encourage each other. We're disciples to encourage one another, including the person up front, okay? Apollos was missing something. This is what Apollos was preaching, okay? You ready for it? He was preaching, Jesus is coming. The Messiah is, sorry, not Jesus, but the Messiah is coming, okay? Follow the law in the Old Testament. Follow those laws. Follow them and, you will, and things will be right with you. Repent, repent. The Messiah is coming. Repent. Turn away from your sins. Live good lives. And then we have Priscilla and Aquila who are listening and probably nudging each other in the audience saying, we've got to talk to this guy. And why? What's missing? What's missing? What's missing with just the baptism of John? John was announcing the coming Savior, right? They kind of missed the, he kind of missed the point that Jesus already came. So they, they took him, a, they waited till he was done with his rant in front of the audience, a lot of people there, and they took him aside and they said, hey, Apollos, Jesus already came. No way. Yeah, he came. He came. He died for our sins. Yeah, he did. You can be forgiven. Get out. Okay, all right. And we're going to see what happens next, okay? So this is, this is the, the result of that taking aside. All right, you take somebody aside, you don't do it publicly. If I'm going way off the deep end, I don't know, you can do it publicly with me, I guess. If, you, if I really am, do it. But you could take me aside and say, hey, Joe, you got this thing wrong. But let's see what happens, fruit from that taking aside. Okay, so before, uh, okay, verse 26, verse 26 He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Okay, so you got that scene. I kind of acted it out a little bit. Whose name is mentioned first? Priscilla's name. Okay. Men and women are equal. Okay, remember that. You guys were a little quiet there. We were all kind of quiet. We weren't sure we wanted to say that. Okay, her name's mentioned first. And one of the theories why this is the case, why would they have mentioned her name first? And there are, there are other passages I'm going to point out to you. The theory is that maybe she um, was more eloquent. Maybe she, in the ministry, had more leadership. Um, and that's why her name was mentioned first. Um, it's, it's possible, that's why. In any case, at the very least, it shows partnership in ministry. They're both together every time we hear them talked about, whether it's in their job or their ministry, they're mentioned together. So keep that in mind. All right. Furthermore, furthermore, they are participating in discipleship. They take along Apollos aside and they are teaching him like, like they should. They've been taught by Paul and they've seen it happen. And so they are making a disciple. All right. This is... Yes, okay, here we go. Say it out loud. Disciples make disciples. All right, verse 27. And now we see the impact. What happens when disciples make disciples and we, we point out weaknesses in each other. Verse 27. 
And when we wished to cross the Orkeia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples and welcomed him, Apollos. When he arrived, what did Apollos do? He greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public who were preaching that Jesus never came. That's why. Showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. See the fruit of that ministry? He immediately changes his mind and says, oh, okay, he did come. All right. So people who believe that he didn't come yet and you're still waiting for your savior, otherwise known as a Jewish person, he already came. Okay. And that's the good news. You don't have to follow the law. Okay. If your donkey falls into a ditch and it's the Sabbath day, you can't help the donkey out of the ditch and do some work on that day. You don't have to have somebody push the button on the elevator to go up to the top floor because that might be considered work in some circles who still practice the law. You can push that button, okay? God is not about that. God has set you free from bondage because Jesus died for our mistakes so that we could live in freedom. Amen. Amen. Okay. So the fruit of that ministry, Paul immediately... And who does he help? That's also kind of striking. He doesn't help people that um, were just fresh believers, that just became Christians. He comes along, and here are people that were already Christians. He just became a Christian himself, and he's used to help lift them up in the way that they were weak. They couldn't argue with the Jewish people about Jesus. They couldn't do it. They didn't have the skills. So he's like, oh, I got those skills. I can come right in and make an impact. So the time to serve is now, right? You don't have to wait until you feel like, okay, I got to wait 10 years until I can do something for Jesus. Immediately go out. All right. Moving forward, um, it's on a side note, Apollos became a really famous, well-known Christian. You might notice his name somewhere else in scripture because the Christians were having a popularity contest. Some people were voting, Paul's the coolest. Some people were voting, Peter's the coolest. And some were saying, Apollos is the coolest. And they're all fighting over these three. So he became very well known. He didn't just duck and cover after this. Um, And they had to sort that out in the church, right? We're not following individuals. We're following Jesus. Okay, let's get back to Paul. Um, Remember, he wrote nearly or two-thirds of the New Testament. That, that second portion of the Bible that we have after, Je- you know, when Jesus came onto the earth, the New Testament, okay, he wrote nearly two-thirds of that, okay? So this guy's got it all together. He doesn't need anybody. He's an island too, right? All right, fist bump. We need each other. We need each other. He wrote a number of letters to churches, okay? A number of them. A lot of the epistles, a lot of the things in the New Testament are letters to struggling churches. They had it off. They weren't quite there yet. And he needed to point out some things they weren't quite there yet with. But he either begins his letters or ends his letters with some special greetings. And a lot of times you just read them and you just kind of, okay, yeah, so you're saying hi to Bob down the street. Well, all right, that doesn't do anything for me, right? Because a lot of times he's like, hey, and by the way, say hi to Bob. You know, he's a cool guy. And, and we don't really know what to do with those greetings. So I want to give you something to do with at least a couple of them, okay? So if 
let's, let's take a look at 2 Timothy 4.19, this letter, this epistle. He says, after writing all of this stuff to the churches, he says, by the way, greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of this dude. <laughs> so, so Paul, remember that friendship that he started? They have, they're tent makers. Um, they have a common Jewish background. They traveled together. He makes it a point in this letter, circulating around the church, to say, by the way, say hi to these guys. They're my friends. I really like them. Okay? And again, notice whose name's mentioned first. Is it up there? All right. Ready? Men and women are equal. Um, and, and I want you to think about this. I get, we get letters sometimes from Rennell's college friends who get married, and I've never met them. I have no idea who they are. And they got to make a choice. They're like, okay, I know Rennell's married to Joe. All right, so I want to invite them both. They always have to make a choice of whose name they're going to put first there. I mean, really, they want Rennell to come. They want Rand to come. They're like, all right, this is really about you. And then may, they probably should just be like, put in little uh, parentheses, and Joe, he can come too. But who's the important one? Who do they have the relationship with? Um, or even, uh, even when, when Ren's parents call or something, who do they want to talk to? I mean, yes, they want to talk to me and hear about my life because they're awesome parents-in-law, but they want to talk to Ren. All right, she's, she's the name that, that comes to prominence in that one. Um, so that's the way kind of we use names. But it's funny how, how sometimes I'll get a letter from one of her friends and they'll say like, to uh, dear Mr., uh, to, the, to the Joe Carters, you know, instead of to Ren and Joe or something. Just formalities, you know. Mr. and Mrs. Joe Carter, you know, you see that, which is fine. It's perfectly fine. But even in our culture, we have these like, whose name comes first battles and, and should the guy's name come first or whatever. Um, but that's not primarily what this is about. It's about equality. Um, so 1 Corinthians 16, 19 is, an, is another example of Paul writing a letter to the Corinthians, ending with a little greeting. He says, The churches in the provinces of Asia send you their greeting. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. Okay, um, so in this case, we see that Aquila and Priscilla, we see the name order change. It doesn't matter in this case at all, okay? Men and women are equal um, in ministry and in life. And, okay, don't, don't get me wrong there. Um, one thing that jumped out at me is we didn't get this information before. They started a church in their home. You see that? Together with the church in their house, so now we just got a clue. Wait a minute. While we were busy reading other parts of Scripture, they were busy creating a church in their home. Do we have churches that meet in our homes? And let's define church, okay? So here's, here's how you know if a church is meeting in, in your homes. Are, are Christians getting together in your home for the purpose of drawing closer to Jesus? That happens a lot here, okay? We have people getting together, encouraging each other, helping each other along, fixing their shed, uh, putting in stoves, 
those kinds of things. They're helping each other along, and we're getting solid teaching in those homes. We have a lot of pockets of, of churches that meet together during the week. And if you're not part of a, of a family that gets together, you are really missing out. I understand you might live further away, and it's not a possibility. In, in that case, we're just happy to see you today. Um, but keep in mind, we need each other, okay? We need each other. You can't get through it alone, okay? We get together, we point out stuff, we help each other out. Um, And it can start with just you and one other person. The church that meets in my home started with basically Warren. Right there. Warren's an awesome guy. There you go. (laughs) This was before I was married. I I needed a friend. So he started, hey, Warren, come on over. Come on over Thursday nights or Wednesday nights. And that happened for a long time. And we got to know each other. And, we, you know, we talked about God sometimes. And then another friend who's no longer going to this church, Cortland, started coming along and bringing his daughter. And so Cortland became part of that church. And then we had Greg come along. He became a believer. And I was like, Greg, you got you to come over. I snatched him up. I, I need this friend. So we're meeting together. Um, and then I got married. And now we can have girls coming over. Yes. <laughs> so that happened. Because she needs a friend, right? So we get Candace. Candace is coming over now. Lisa's coming on over. Exciting stuff. Um, so it can start out small. And, and you might be limited in who you can invite or who you'd be comfortable inviting. But start with one person that you're like, all right, we're going to become friends. We're going to start church right here and now. Okay. And, it, and it's, these have been popping up all around our area. Whitingham, all over the place. Even Whitingham, yeah. Okay, anyway. Getting back to things. Um, So in his letter to the Corinthians, also we notice that Aquila and, and it says Prisca, which is the formal way to say Priscilla. Priscilla is kind of like the friendly way to say it, the illa at the end. I don't know. Uh, But the Prisca is the formal way way to say. I don't know why he went formal here, but he did. So don't, don't, don't get worried that it says Prisca. Um, all right. Next example. This one's crazy. Romans 16, 3 to 4, and I'm almost done. It says, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my, this is Paul writing, for my life risk their own necks. One version says, to whom I know not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles also greet the church that's in their house. Holy cow, what did we learn from this little greeting? I thought these greetings were just in there, bobbed down the road. We learned a lot of stuff, okay? We learned a lot of stuff from this one. Number one, we, we know that Paul needed somebody. He needed somebody to bail him out because he got himself in trouble a lot. And it's thought that they went to bat on his behalf when he was in trouble earlier, and they stood up for him and protected him. So we need each other. How about a high five? We need each other. Come on, I didn't see too many. You guys are getting tired. Oh my goodness. (laughs) We need each other. Even Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, needed somebody. So it does kind of come back around too. If you were the one that 
in the friendship who started teaching somebody else, it comes back around. That person will also pour it back into you and help you along when you need it. That's how friendships in the church work. So it's not a one-man show. It's not like, just because I invited you to my house, I get to be the teacher all the time. It, it flips back. We need each other. Also, they were mentioned together, right? They were mentioned together in this passage. So again, husband and wife, power team. Okay, men and women are equal in ministry. All right, there you go. Men and women are equal in ministry. Yeah. We form friendships around what Jesus did for us. Jesus broke down hostilities. He broke down any wall that would exist between you and another human being on this planet. He broke it down. He broke down any barrier, okay? And he called each one of us who call ourselves disciples, he, he told us to make disciples, make people followers of Jesus, right? Disciples, make disciples. That was really good. For those who are single, let me touch on that a little bit because I've been in that realm for most of my life. I was in that realm. Do you know that Paul also praised being single because it allowed you to have a singular focus on Jesus, a heart wholly enraptured in love towards him, undivided in your, in your missions and goals? You, can you have your ministry be call out the pastor, take him aside? talk to him. Could you do that? Yeah, you could. Could you start inviting people into your home and have a house church? Yeah, you can. Okay? Are you specifically gifted to serve our church family? Yeah, you are. And you have benefits uh, right now that make you more free to serve more often a lot. That's what I found. I had a lot more free time. Um, and so, so keep that in mind, that use your singleness in the season that you're in to serve God and change people's lives. And God doesn't want us to wait. Today is the day. Okay, let's encourage one another because we need each other. We need each other. Okay, let's build friendships Let's check in with each other with greetings. Let's establish churches in our homes. Let's love the Lord together. Men and women are equal. Men and women are equal. Let's be occupied with the Bible. And who wrote it? In Valleytown. We are already doing a lot of these things, but hopefully this will encourage you and unite, you, unite us in, the, in our efforts to make disciples because disciples make disciples. All right, we're good. The worship team can come on up um, and I'm going to pray for us as they're, as they're coming on up. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for, for all these stories of people that we can relate to I thank you that we do need each other. And you have established a system where men and women are equal. In a world that a lot of times says they're not. And in a system where a lot of times devalues. 
I thank you that the church can be a radical force for bringing about your kingdom as long as we encourage one another. Lord, help us to make disciples. Help us to live in, up to your call where disciples are making disciples. Help us to continue on because we need to be strengthened by others. We need others to be part of our community. Thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for providing today um, awesome people here, people in our band and teachers and in the kids' space. Thank you for how you provided our teens to be in the back with the slides. Mm -hmm. Thank you for how each part can work together um, to bring you glory. In your name, Jesus, amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.